Uh, I'm gonna get some more wine and pee, and then I'll be ready. You're gonna get some more pee? Did I say that? <laughs> he said, "Get some more wine and pee." <laughs> In that order. It's a Think Outside the Box at Dance Party that you're invited to. Everyone who's listening, just dance in your pants now, because that's what we're doing. You can't see it, but you got to trust us. And we're dancing to It's Friday, Friday, on Friday. Oh, Everybody it's looking gonna... forward to the weekend. That's right. We've been, for some reason, releasing the, the show on Fridays with no warning, and I want to acknowledge it. <laughs> oh, right. Yes. That, that too. Uh, <laughs> it, it, it turns out that once you have two people who are busy, and uh, one of them was on East Coast time and now is on West Coast time in terms of work hours, it can be hard to find the, the right times to record stuff. So yeah. instead of being able to record like in the early to mid afternoon we have to record in the evening mm. so yeah so yeah i mean hopefully my hour schedules will calm down a little bit in the fall we'll see mm-hmm. but uh that's the plan yeah <laughs> yeah so uh this is think outside the box set it's the internet's only hot take machine we got all kinds of hot takes we got a baker's dozen of hot cakes hot takes they're selling like hot takes uh and i'm nathan hunt and i'm cameron dewitt nathan last time i saw him told me something really interesting which was that scarlett johansson has an album of tom wait covers yes tom waits covers and uh all the time this is sort of an ongoing thing that we do which is cover celebrities or non-musicians mm-hmm. uh vanity albums we should uh, do in between our normal seasons right. of listening to an entire artist discography yeah we should listen to uh keanu reeves's band dog star or russell crowe's oh, band 30 yeah. odd foot of grunts is that really what it's i'm called? pretty sure that's what it's called i think that's some sort of australianism 30 odd foot of oh I mean, it yeah. it's like a general like measurement. Like, oh, it's like uh, thirty odd foot. It's like right. thir- between thirty and forty or so. Um, oh, grunt singular thirty odd foot. Or no, it says grunts here, plural. Never mind. Okay. Um, <laughs> oh, grunt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Your 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 spouse Becca was talking about this movie that she saw. It's called like Black Window that had like. Scarlett Johanberg and I was like and I had to forget how if she brought up like her singing or whatever but then I was like hey you know she's got a, a Tom Waits cover album where it's nothing but Tom Waits covers which is not strictly true but is almost true uh-huh maybe um, before we talk about the music maybe we could talk a little bit about like Scarlett Johansson yeah what is your relationship to Scarlett Johansson oh we're best buds we go way back <laughs> We grew up on the same block, the mean streets of New York. <laughs> she's still Scarlet from the block. She's still, yeah. I'm not fooled by the rock she got. She has a hey. lot. <laughs> um, I remember liking her a lot in uh, in her, like, I don't know, weird indie shit, like Lost in Translation. I never saw Ghost World, but I did read the graphic novel several times, and she shows up in the movie version. Um. She's in, uh, what's that really weird movie? Um, Under the Skin. She's good in that. She's an alien that is like a man-eater, right? Yeah. They they play the the, 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 the Hall & Oates song. Oh, um, here she comes. Yeah. <laughs> she's a man-eater. Uh, oh, yeah. She's, she's the voice of the computer in her also. She does, I feel, a pretty good job in that. That might be my favorite performance of hers. She's good. Yeah. She does a really good job, and which is interesting because isn't she like overdubbing? Because it used to be someone else. Oh, maybe that's right. And they like got fired for some reason, and then she had to like do all of the lines. So like Joaquin is not actually responding to Scarlet. Huh. That's what I heard. 
Oh yeah, it was Samantha Morton. Yeah, I don't know her. Huh. Okay. Yeah, I wonder if that movie holds up. It went last time you watched it. 2013. <laughs> yeah, I don't think I've seen it since then either. Yeah. I I would be interested in a rewatch. I mean, I I really like Spike Jones. He's good, and the movie is kind of about uh, a sad sack dude whose girlfriend outgrows him. <laughs> And I think yeah. that that's like kind of a good story to tell that doesn't get told very often. That's a great fucking point. And it's really interesting to like look back on it. Spoiler alert. Um, and like the the thing that uh, is sort of the big the big betrayal, the big piece of drama at the end is that she uh, has been non-monogamous mm-hmm. and hasn't disclosed it. Um and I'd be really interested to rewatch it with like 2021 eyes yeah. and brain mm-hmm. and to like look at that and think about that. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh, Chris Pratt is in that movie? What the fuck? God, Chris Pratt. <laughs> Man, Can what a just fall stop? from grace. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Uh, it's just like a shitty hollywood christian yeah oh boy um, yeah so what's anyway what is your oh she's also in jojo rabbit i remember that yeah mm. yeah she's really good in jojo she rabbit, is very good I in think. jojo rabbit yeah what's your relationship to scar joe her first thing i saw her in was probably lost in translation yeah she's good in time that. ago yeah 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 it's interesting she's playing a very She's, I didn't pick up on this at the time. I just recently rewatched it, like, within the last year. Ooh, she was 19 and, when that um, movie came out. Holy shit. Yeah. She plays a really unflattering character. Mm-hmm. And she plays it really convincingly. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's, it's kind of interesting to, like, <laughs> um, think about that and think about her as a person and maybe some of the ways that, like, at least her p- public persona has been a bit unflattering, mm-hmm. um, which I think I might want to get into a little bit um, because I was kind of ready to cl- not feel bad about making fun of Scarlett Johansson because this album is bad. It's not um, very good. Nope. But then I like did a little bit more digging into like her whole deal. And I was like, okay, it's a little more complicated than the, uh, than the headlines. Yeah. Uh, as is, you know, as is usually the case. <laughs> No, I, I think case. pretty much everything is about as simple as the headlines. I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> the thing that makes the most money for the websites is the truth. Yeah, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, um, what else? So she's great in Jojo Rabbit. I think probably the most that I've seen her in is, uh, is in all the Marvel shit, mm-hmm. which is probably her weakest work. Um but like similarly, uh, similar to Lost in Translation, I watched Marriage Story when it came out. Mm-hmm. She she kind of plays a similarly complicated, unflattering character mm. um, in this um, in kind of a, a female archetype of someone who has just realized that they've been conditioned to please all of the men in their life, and they have to sort of explode mm-hmm. because they're just able to kind of get out of it hysteria um, i think we call that well <laughs> take her away to a sanatorium uh no not hysteria she's <laughs> just like i'm an old-timey it's doctor a, it's, and that's what i call it <laughs> it's a re- it's a really interesting kind of archetype to me which is the marginalized person who realizes that they're marginalized and doesn't know how to make some sort of graceful exit from the commitments that they've made. Yeah. Um, it's just a really interesting thing. She plays that kind of character, I think in lost in translation because her boyfriend is ultimately like pretty nice, but like doesn't have anything to offer her. And he's she kind just of inattentive. Sort of like, yeah. But he's also there on a work trip, you know, yeah, I guess that's true. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's like, I don't think he's doing anything wrong, mm-hmm. but, and she's like kind of disproportionately mad at him, but I think mostly because she just has a lot of, her character has a lot of figuring stuff out to do mm-hmm. and she's sort of like resenting him for it, but it's also like, yeah, get out of there if like there's not enough room for you, you know? So it's like mm-hmm. really complicated. 
And the marriage story is like that, but plus um, a custody battle. Mm-hmm. Um, have you seen Marriage Story? I haven't. No, I've heard it's good. It's. I think it's really good, and it's really fucking stressful. But mm. all of that is palatable because of Laura Dern mm-hmm. wearing high heels on a couch. Ooh, <laughs> I like and the sound being of that. incredible. Yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> she's really good in the movie. And I think she like won an Oscar for it, maybe as mm. like a supporting character. Anyway, Scarlett Johansson. That's the main stuff that I've consumed of her work. Mm-hmm. But then there's also this public persona in the last like uh, six or seven years. She's been like a bit controversial because of mm-hmm. a, a number of things. Um, so, f- yeah, first of all, <laughs> she was in Ghost in a Shell. She accepted the role of uh, this character in Ghost in a Shell, which is this anime. I've never seen the anime, um, but the character is Japanese mm-hmm. and she plays essentially i mean it's kind of complicated but she plays a japanese character that has a japanese name um and then it's revealed in the movie that i haven't seen it but this is what i've heard it's revealed in the movie that um the original japanese person who whose brain is in the robot scarlett johansson body uh like is a Japanese person and there's like flashbacks to the real person, mm-hmm. but then they put her in a, like a white body. And so it's like kind of like this, like a uh, problematic transracial kind of uh, storyline that they inserted in to the movie that was not in the anime. Uh, and is, then there's, do you also think that's just some, added in there to try to justify uh, casting? That's her? the fucked up thing. I think that's what it is. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Man. I think they're, yeah <laughs> not to say that there isn't some like interesting stuff to be to happen with transracial sci-fi like because that happens in the what's it called altered Netflix carbon show. altered carbon yes and it, i think it actually is pretty interesting in there and it's not in the text necessarily but i think it's dealt with in a pretty interesting way um but yeah because uh, they approached it as like commentary that they can make rather than like a problem that needs to be explained away <laughs> yeah it's sort of like when they cast tilda swinton as the ancient one in the doctor strange movie and they're like well we can't have um we can't have like a fu manchu like uh or like old wise asian man Mm -hmm. to further the character growth of this like white man so this is the 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 only thing that we can think is that she's like a an immortal celtic woman um (laughs) and it's like Oh, you're so close. You dodged a bullet, but you walked right into another bullet. You fucking idiots. Just make it anyone but Tilda Swinton. <laughs> anyway, um, so there was also some talk that maybe they were doing screen tests to digitally alter Scarlett Johansson's face to make her look more Asian. Oh, what? Yeah, there was some like whack stuff happening in the production of that movie. Um, and what did she, and then similarly, she accepted at one point the role of a trans man Mm -hmm. in this movie. Uh, what's it called? Rub and tug. I was, I was literally going to say it's called rub and tug or something. That can't be right. (laughs) That can't be it. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, yeah, it is a biographical film in which she would have played Dante Texgill, a transgender man who operated a massage parlor and prostitution ring in the 1970s and 1980s. Yeah. She, so she accepted that role, but then turned it down. And the the big like line that was ultimately, now I know, taken out of context is she said on Good Morning America, um, you know, as an actor, I should be allowed to play any person or any tree or any animal oh because that is my job and the requirements of my job. You know, because transgender people are kind of like trees or animals. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's the class, like isolated from context it's the classic um i don't care if you're white black brown or purple right you know like that or sort of polka dot you know yeah it's like we're not talking about you playing a tree yeah we would actually probably love to see you play a tree Are that you would playing be a tree pretty dope up? actually <laughs> or a little animal yeah that sounds great just don't play a trans man yeah <laughs> or an asian woman um but she actually goes on to say well, she also said before that, I would never attempt to play a person of a different race, obviously, mm-hmm. which isn't 
is entirely true, true but i don't know how much of that was in her control or like <laughs> right yeah, anyway yeah. but she goes on to say i recognize so she's talking about in an ideal world as an actor i should be allowed to play any person or any tree i think she says that and it gets cut out of the context right but she says i recognize that in reality there is a widespread discrepancy amongst my industry that favors caucasian cisgendered actors and that not every actor has been given the same opportunities that I have been privileged to. Um, and that she's, yeah, she goes on to say she supports diversity in every industry. Um, what? A, and then she, in a different interview, she said, there's other voices that have more to say on the subject that probably need a microphone. She said, adding, yeah, I think I'm done speaking on that subject. Um, she also went on to say, and she's gotten flack for this, but I think that there's something here in maybe kind of a John Mayer kind of way. Mm -hmm. She says, I don't think actors have obligations to have a public role in society. Um, some huh. people want to, but the idea that you're obligated to, because you're in the public eye is unfair. You didn't choose to be a politician. You're an actor. Hmm. I think that there's a morsel of truth here. Yeah. And the way she's putting it is passing the buck. And I think it's kind of fucked up. Yeah. Um, but if she were to say it this way instead, what if we didn't look to our actors to have the right opinions on everything <laughs> and didn't think that they were responsible to be like um, as, you know, just like these like perfect individuals, like the more in the public sphere you are, the more perfect your idea should be, right. you know, or yeah. like, yeah, it's because it's like she's got a point. She's putting her energy into figuring out how to do the craft of acting. Yeah. She's not making policy. And, you know, like we, we should be allowing people and expecting people to be good at the things that they are saying that they're good at. Mm -hmm. um, but instead we're holding everyone to this perform, this, uh, this uh, expectation of, of performance of morality and of, uh, non-ignorance enlightenment right. mm -hmm. you know but but no one's doing a good job at what they're supposed to do <laughs> you know it's like the the politicians even aren't even like doing you know a good job at like because they're so focused on their performance they're yeah not, like, i don't know i don't know about that cameron because the democrats put on some kente cloths for like uh black history month so that i mean i think that they're pretty good and, and they said <laughs> thank you for your sacrifice to george floyd so i think they got it pretty figured out <laughs> Oh, Nancy, Nancy, Nancy. Uh, <laughs> what a girl boss. <laughs> Slay. Anyway. Um, yeah, anyway, Scarlett Johansson. Um, yeah, I, she apparently seems to like try to stay out of the public eye to some extent, which I yeah. I appreciate. I think if I were suddenly like thrust into the spotlight, I would not want the attention and probably would yeah. not do well with it or handle it well. You know, she went on to say, I misjudged that it was a hard time. It was like a whirlwind, a whirlwind. I felt terribly about it. Um, I mean, that's good. I believe her. Yeah. She's centering her own experience. She says to feel like you're kind of tone deaf to something is not a good feeling. But like, <laughs> I'm sure in the context of the interview, it was about her and not about her making an official apology. Right. Whatever. You know. Um, so here's an interesting thing about her. She has the most like. Scarn de ho de de Scandinavian. I was trying to combine it with Scar Scandinavian name, <laughs> Johansson, with like the two S's, which is like you yeah. know that that's like hardcore Scandinavian if it's got the two S's. Uh, yeah. Her father is Karsten Olaf Johansson, who is from Copenhagen, and her mother is Melanie Sloan, who is Ashkenazi Jewish. So okay. Scarlett Johansson is Jewish, which I did not know. I was unaware. Yeah. Very interesting. Yeah. Uh, these, she, these are the things that get lost in the mix with all of our naming, our patriarchal naming conventions. Yes. I don't know what the great alternative is, but it kind of sucks. You know, it's like mm -hmm. you don't I mean, get to like have like a, a, a fun little lead that maybe this person is Jewish. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean, I was going to say. I don't know if Sloan would have clued us in, really, because that's her mother's last right. name. But her mother's birth name apparently was Schlomberg. Oh yeah. What if? What oh, if? Oh yeah. What <laughs> if this were Scarlett Schlomberg? That is, 
I like that name better. Uh, oh man, what could have been? What could have been? If only we the had a matriarchal takes another society. from us. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Insult to injury. Um, <laughs> yeah. No, so, I think that's just the injury. Yeah. <laughs> um, let's see. She was born in '84, so she's a couple years older than we are, and she apparently yeah. grew up in Greenwich Village. Yeah. So maybe, maybe she didn't used to have a little. Now she has a lot. <laughs> well, I don't know what Greenwich Village was like in the eighties, though. I don't know either. I mean, it's it's like pretty hoity-toity now, but uh, yeah, I don't know yeah. what the vibe was in the eighties. Mm. Um, all right, should we get into? Okay, well, let's uh, let's maybe let's talk about this album. It comes out in two thousand and eight. Um, it is her first release, although she recorded an album with Peter Yorn called Breakup, which was recorded in 2006. So two years before this album comes out, but it doesn't get released. Who's Peter Yorn? He's like some guy, you know, he like does, he's like <laughs> does some singing and plays like music sure. or whatever. He's like a songwriter. I don't know. Um, but that doesn't get released till 2009. So this is her first released album, not first recorded. Um, and it's, it's basically like a TV on the radio side project, essentially. It has one of the okay. main guys from TV on the radio. And once I read that, I was like, oh, this sounds like TV on the radio a lot, but not as interesting as TV on the radio can You're be. saying this album that we listen to today mm-hmm. or her other one? Okay. Gotcha. Um, and that is based on the, I think, one album's worth of TV on the radio experience that I had that I have not revisited in six or seven years. So I have not the expert is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> Sounds like you're the expert, Nathan. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um, it's, it's not a good album. It's not good. It's not, it's, it's a, it's an odd project to just say, I'm going to cover a bunch of Tom Waits songs and not his bangers necessarily. <laughs> We're gonna, uh-huh. cover, we're gonna cover some of the lesser Tom Waits <laughs> songs. <laughs> What's your experience with Tom Waits? Um, I did not get into Tom Waits until the past like four or five years. But once I did, I fell hard um, for his like latter period, his uh, Kathleen yeah. Brennan period, where after he meets his his wife Kathleen, no, now wife. She wasn't the wife at the time when he met her. Uh, Kathleen Brennan and she radically changes his approach and his songwriting and I think she is like she well, she's a co-writer on a bunch of her, uh, of his songs and I think she was the one who sort of introduced this sort of like run down grungy like kind of old timey vibe to Tom Waits before that he was like kind huh. of a, a sleazy like gravelly lounge singer but after right. he meets Kathleen Brennan he's like kind of a working class quasi hobo from like 1925 yeah yeah working class hobo (laughs) he's not one of them rich hobos (laughs) (laughs) or one of them itinerant hobos he's got a job he's got a job he works (laughs) yeah so and he gets a lot more experimental as well he does a lot of stuff for theater um i think one of these yeah the first well, the first track is from Alice, which is uh, Tom Waits' uh, uh, like soundtrack for a stage production of Alice in Wonderland, which was released as its own album. Um, yeah, so what is your experience with Tom Waits? You know, not that much. I had one big immersion in Tom Waits, which was um, I, uh, I was house-sitting for... Um, uh, an old, not older, older than me couple, like some like 30 year olds at the time. Mm -hmm. Uh, I was like a, I don't know, 18 year old, Mm -hmm. I think, or 19. I was house sitting for this couple from my church Mm. and walking their dog every day. Mm -hmm. And um, at one point, my friend Kyle came over and spent the night and we were just looking through their DVD collection and they had this like five hour long bootleg Ooh. Tom Waits DVD. Wow. And it was a, it was just like this big poorly edited together supercut of all of all of these different um, 
concert recordings and um, uh, talk show appearances and things like that. Mm -hmm. And we we watched the whole thing. Wow, we watched it all sober too, which is wild to think. That is wild. I can't um, I can't imagine. Like doing that now without like smoking some weed or or drinking something. Yeah. Um. But we did. We watched this whole thing sober, and like I think there may have been a little bit of drifting in and out of sleep. Mm-hmm. But that was like my first exposure to Tom Waits. Like for some reason, we decided to watch this thing, and I was like, I was blown away. Like it was like the Fernwood Tonight performance where he's like performing. The piano has been drinking. Um, there's this big one man show theater piece where he's like at this like gas station set, like singing these jazz songs. Mm-hmm. Like it was a lot of stuff. Um, r- random like videos of him just waxing philosophical and strange in his tour van. Mm-hmm. Um, and then like concert videos and stuff. And that was like my main exposure for a long time. And then, um, I was in my friend Kent's band for a while, Junkman Wolf. Hmm. Uh, and he was like a big Tom Waits fan mm-hmm. and like wrote Tom Waits esque songs. Ah. Um, so, uh, that's my main exposure. I've never, I've only listened to a Tom Waits album, like maybe once or twice with someone else back mm-hmm. to front. Yeah. But I've, I've never like sought it out. Yeah, and I th- I think I often tend to like pick and choose um, songs. I like I like make playlists of Tom Waits. I don't typically like listen to his albums all the way through. And like some of the albums have like some clunkers on them or like spoken word pieces that I'm not particularly interested in. Uh, What's he doing in there? <laughs> Is like one of the songs from I think Swordfish Trombone. <laughs> it's really weird. Um, yeah, but. Uh, but one of the things I really love about Tom Waits is his approach to songwriting is, uh, kind of poppy. Like he has very stripped down, uh, kind of like oftentimes dirgy music with unusual instrumentation, like marimbas and weird percussion and stuff. But oftentimes like the, the, the core of the song itself can be like, I, I mean, I use the word poppy, but like, I don't know. Uh, I don't know. I don't. I don't think that's quite the right word I'm looking for. But uh, it's it's catchy. It's earwormy. It feels very satisfying on like on the same level that like pop songs can. Um, yeah, but like an often like an older definition of pop music, like right? Traditional yeah. American songwriting. Yeah, like, there's a lot of Tin Pan Alley in Tom Waits. Yes, a lot of sort of vaudeville, early jazz, mm-hmm. a lot of kitsch. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so I, I really appreciate the, that about Tom Waits. Um, yeah. It's it's one of the things I like about Deerhoof also is like they're this very weird like mathy uh, band that does a lot of weird shit, but their songs are just incredible pop songs too. Um, so weird, weird so comparison al- to draw. <laughs> this, this album, mm-hmm. all music reviewer Stephen Thomas Erlewine found Johansson Our to old be- friend. Oh, have we talked about him? Yeah, before? he showed up. We we mentioned him a lot with Garf. That I remember he had some now, brutal yeah. takedowns of Garf albums. Well, he says about Scarlett Johansson uh, that she's surprising, uh, surprisingly deep and brittle as a singer. He means deep in pitch, um, I think, because she sings fairly low. <laughs> I want to put a pin in that because I have some takes on that. Yeah, but then he goes on to say, doesn't quite work. But it can't quite be dismissed. I disagree. I disagree. (laughs) Either. Unlike so many actor-turned-singer records, there's not a hint of vanity to this project, and it's hard not to marvel at its ambition, even as it fails. I kind of agree with with that. But I do think that it does feel like vanity to me. It feels like... Like, why are they doing this? It feels like hipster vanity, which may be... uh, presumably boomer thomas erlewine stephen thomas erlewine was not able to pick up on this is like maybe i mean we don't really use that word very much anymore and i think it was never really all that useful to begin with but if there's something that is hipster it is scarlett johansson making a tom waits cover album with the guy from tv on radio that's a great point you're saying that like at the time in the optics of uh stephen thomas erlewine mm-hmm he would be like, it is not vain to cover 
Tom Waits songs because Tom Waits is so niche. Right. And Whereas, you're saying that it, it is hipster vanity. Because street cred. Tom Waits right. equals street cred. And TV on the radio equals street cred. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Should we get into talking about these songs? I guess so. Yeah. <laughs> I'm uh, glad we found a way to fill up this much space because I do not want to talk about this album for very long. <laughs> and I don't have very much longer to talk with you. Yeah. Uh, oh, good. Yeah, this album fucking sucks. I, I really dislike it. It's profoundly boring, unfortunately. Yeah. David <laughs> Bowie shows up for multiple songs, and A, you can barely hear him, and B, it's also very boring. I, I think part of it yeah. is it feels like a lot of the instrumentation is loops. I don't know if that's actually true, but a lot of it feels very repetitive, um, not only in terms of what they are playing, but like the dynamics of it. Like, there isn't a lot of like right. crescendo, actual unique performance yeah. in it. There's not a lot of From dynamic range in this entire moment. record. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, let's let's hear a little bit of "Town with No Cheer." Yeah, we're gonna skip the first track because it is instrumental, and we're gonna go oh, yeah, to yeah, yeah. "Town with No well, Cheer." Well, she killed it on that track. <laughs> <laughs> she was silent, so good. Her best performance. <laughs> Sorry, premature. These songs do not work if you are uh, detached. No. Just full stop. It is like... Full stop. She is the most like detached uh, pre-Lana Del Rey. Like she, This is before Lana Del Rey's like first album came out, I think. But the like disaffected hipster kind of like, I don't really care about what I'm singing and I'm just like cool. These are earnest songs. They're very earnest. Tom Waits, that's the secret to Tom Waits, is he is so earnest in his songwriting. Yeah. Yeah. Um, he, I mean, he's very earnest in, like, kitsch also. <laughs> well, yeah. It's it's a performance, but he's performing an earnest yeah. delivery of these stories that they matter yes. to him. And I think they probably do to whatever extent. And mm-hmm. Scarlett Johansson is not trying to do that. And uh, it's... An, it's not an exciting cognitive dissonance. No, I think that's probably the yeah. greatest failure of this album is just trying, like having that as your artistic goals. I'm going to sing a bunch of Tom Waits songs as if I'm bored by them. Have we heard Scarlett Johansson sing at a high level before? Is this a thing that she can do? Is there precedence for this? When you say high level, do you mean in terms of like pitch or? Like sing something with conviction. <laughs> Like and sings and sings something with skill and technique. Well, let's check this out. This is her highest single on Spotify. It's from the movie Sing, and it's called "Set It All Free." So let's take a listen. Oh, I wonder if I've this seen is this be movie. Good. Oh, because I have a child. Ah, yes. It's an animated. Oh, this is very loud. I skip So it's not, she's not belting it out, but it sounds like she actually. Oh, she's like, she's like the porcupine. Oh. Why did I say it that way? I don't know. Porcupine? I don't know. That was awful. Mm, a porcupine hat. Um, yeah, so she's not like belting it out with, she's not singing from her guts necessarily, but it does sound like she cares what she's singing about, which is not really true on her Tom Waits album. Um, I'm just like. I didn't know. I did not know that was her. I remember the character being a very black coated character, and I'm a little like oh. I don't know. Maybe, maybe it was just like literally because the porcupine was like has like dark dark fur, but I feel like it was more than that. Dark like, fur. Well, porcupines have fur as as well as quills. Right. Okay. But it's you not mostly all quills. you mostly see the quills, and they're like fairly light colored, aren't they? Well, the quills are on the back, Nathan. Oh, you see a lot of the front. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I see. Okay, I was I was envisioning like 
uh, a porcupine on all fours, and it is not. It is a bipedal <laughs> porcupine uh, wearing yes, a schoolgirl skirt. They're anthropomorphic creatures. And yes, you are correct. Like the face, you see the the face is very big and has no quills on it, and uh, has a, a dark tone, or you know, like a brown yeah. tone, like a not Scarlett Johansson uh, toned <laughs> color. No, not a like. Not someone who would be Johansson with two S's. Yes. <laughs> kind exactly. of tone. Yeah. No, most likely. Um, right. Anyway, her singing in that, I think, actually, I think it sounds fine. It sounds like pop music singing. Right. Which leads me to believe that this album, she's choosing to sing this way, and the and whoever's mixing it is choosing to mix her absolutely low. In you can barely hear mix. her. Yeah. It's, it's, it's so strange, because... The whole point of Tom Waits is these earnest lyrics with just like a completely unabashed, like earnest, ugly delivery. Mm -hmm. And she's singing. Yeah. Like you said, so disaffected in a way that you can't even hear the words. And even if you could hear the words, you wouldn't, you just like, I, I, I couldn't listen to the lyrical content of any of this because, and I had the lyrics in front of me, but I was so bored by her singing. Yeah. Let's, this is the thing. There's, let's not do this for like, every song, but let's compare the Tom Waits course. version. Yeah, I um, have the the sample. I, oh, you I do? Believe. Okay, good. Yeah. Um, it's from Swordfish Trombones, which I think is his first like Kathleen Brennan uh, album. March 21st. Up the hills in a blanket of Patterson's curse. The train smokes down. Yeah, so Tom Waits has a couple like modes that he gets into. One of them is Cookie Monster, and another one is like a guy who's fucking drunk out of his mind, uh, singing and crying basically. Yeah, like like a guy you see down at the tavern who's just like, yeah, had way too many beers and tears streaming down his face, and he's like singing along to his favorite song or something. Like that's that's kind of what he sounds like in that delivery. Cookie monster at a certain time of day. Yes, exactly. After he's had a few too many cookies. <laughs> yeah, a few cookies in Cookie Monster. <laughs> um, I I also included a sound sample of Slim Dusty's song "A Pub with No Beer." Oh, is there are a- some people who think that this is a rewriting, a pastiche of the slim dusty song, a pub with no beer, a town with no cheer. And the con like we're led to believe that a town with no cheer is literally about like a dry town. Mm -hmm. Um, so slim dusty is Australia's sort of kind of like inventor of Australiana music. Mm. It's this country music genre that slim dusty sort of, as far as I know, kind of like pioneered or at Mm -hmm. least was the first to turn into popular music um, mm-hmm. in Australia and Australia, because um, its colonization happened so late before globalization. Uh, it has a really strange national identity mm-hmm. um, when it comes to the colonizers, at least. Yeah. I mean, obviously Aboriginal folks, like some people still in <laughs> like the Aboriginal communities, as far as I'm told, still know the millennia old songs air quotes Mm -hmm. um that are literally directions on how to like navigate the bush oh wow so obviously they have a very strong national identity yes but the colonizers (laughs) have like a just a really messy national identity Mm -hmm. um and so there are some people who have latched on to slim dusty Mm-hmm. As like, oh yeah, Slim Dusty is Australia culture. But there are a lot of people that I met in Australia who are like, that shit's pandering, mm-hmm. that shit's really embarrassing, and that music is bad, and it's the kind of kitsch that we didn't ask for, and can't we just be another part of the Commonwealth mm-hmm. and watch BBC shows? <laughs> like, we don't need this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's um, hilarious. Um, it's, yeah, it's funny that you you say that because I think this is the only Tom Waits song I've seen set in Australia. Well, here's the here's the other thing. He says Patterson's curse, and in the sound sample that we heard, Patterson being, and I made this genius annotation. If you're following along, oh in, in really? The lyrics, 
It's in reference to Banjo Patterson, the Australian poet. Ah. Literally named Banjo Patterson. At least that's how uh-huh. he was published. And um, he wrote Waltzing Matilda, which Tom oh. Waits is known to play and okay. has recorded. Mm-hmm. But yes, I don't know how often Tom Waits engages in Australiana, but he does in this song. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Oh, yeah. So let's you listen play to Slim Dusty. Yeah, Slim Dusty. But there's a nothing so lonesome, morbid or drear, than to stand in the bar of a pub with no beer. <laughs> the little it's miasma <laughs> at the end there. Oh, boy. Beer. Yeah. <laughs> uh um i'm um i'm about to sometime early next year release an album with an Mm. australian and a new zealander um who also lived a fair amount of his life in australia and um there's one original song in it that uh is by the australian Mm -hmm. and or it's a tune with words it's like an old time tune with words Mm -hmm. and um it's really interesting because like we had a conversation of like the New Zealander was like, Hey, do you, you have this sort of like, you know, uh, integrated accent. Cause you've been in the States for so long, but is there any possibility? Like, do you want to like lean into mm-hmm. your Australiana a little bit to make this like a Bush, a Bush tune, mm-hmm. you know, like, do you want to do that? And mm-hmm. then we had a conversation about that. I will leave it up to the listener to determine whether we went in that direction or Ooh, not. <laughs> teaser. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh anyway um slim dusty that's yeah hilarious <laughs> like like that sort of <laughs> also just the it's name. so weird to hear so yeah slim Dusty. yeah it's great yeah. um there there are people who have gone on oh god i wish i remember his name there's a person who wrote modern sort of australiana folk songs um that i think is really fucking good and i played a, a couple festivals with him when i was down there mm. um if I remember it, I'll put it in the learning links. His name is uh, Chubby Cleanly. <laughs> Chubby Cleanly. <laughs> He's the opposite oh, of Slim shit. Dusty. <laughs> That's hilarious. That's like a like an old jazz pianist. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, should we get to another Scarlett Johansson song? Uh, how about yeah. the David Bowie one? Falling Down. Um, yes, let's which do is that. originally from Big Time the album from Tom Waits. So I, after I took that sound sample, instead of just replacing it, I took an additional one uh, to hear the the part where David Bowie is ostensibly on this track. Um, so let's listen to David Bowie supposedly being there. Go on, put your Scarlet is hard to hear, but the backing vocals are nearly impossible to hear. Yeah. I wonder how much they had to pay him for that. Yeah, honestly. Because she's not like a big star at this point, right? Um, I don't... I mean, not anywhere as much as she is now. She had been in Girl with a Pearl Earring. She, had, I mean, she had gotten like a lot of um, like respect uh, like sure. among people who know movies for like, well... Uh, Lost in Translation, and then of course the girl with the pearl earring. I think that she won a BAFTA for Lost in Translation. Um, she was in the Prestige in 2006, so maybe she was starting to get pretty big because Prestige was a pretty big movie, right? Oh yeah, I forgot about that. I like that movie. We're ragging on uh, Christopher Nolan <laughs> in our uh, in our Patreon mm-hmm. show, but I actually really like the Prestige. <laughs> I actually have not seen it. I, I've been meaning to for years. I think it's really fun. Yeah. David Bowie is in it, actually. Oh, right. He plays playing Tesla. <laughs> Nikola Tesla. <laughs> Bringing it back around. Oh, yeah. 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 Okay. Uh, Support.boxset.website. Yeah. 
kick us a few bucks, you get access to our weekly mini show. Yeah. We spent a yeah, long if time. You, if you like this. We spent a long time talking about the Matrix of, trilogy. If you're getting tired of like how often we uh, maybe don't, we, maybe we miss a week or we do it later on in the week, the backlog of Patreon content will hold you over. Yes. <laughs> it's, it's very, it's very inexpensive. Yes. It's a thought that counts. Just go support it. Yeah. Anyway, uh, we've only talked about two songs. Uh, you you had a sound on. sample for this one. Yeah, it's Is She Affecting a Bowie Voice? And then I had a sound sample of the original. Oh, okay. Yeah, let's, let's, uh, well, let's listen to the, the Bowie voice because it, it kind of sounds like she is just a little bit. She really, it, she's got a little tinge of Bowie. Because Tom Waits is not doing that in the original. Do you want to play the original? Yeah. <laughs> That's so much better. Oh, my God. My, my theory is that the reason they did the backing tracks the way that they did just a wash of noise and distortion and crunch is because Scarlett Johansson singing is there's no affect to it. There's right. no, no editorializing at all. It's mm-hmm. just a rest, uh, uh, a recitation of the lyrics basically that happened mm-hmm. to be on, I guess the pitches. Yeah. Um, I guess. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> yeah, but when Tom Waits sings like, this isn't always the case. I've heard some pretty challenging instrumental arrangements, you know, in his records before, mm-hmm. but a lot of the time it's just really pretty, um, palatable, understandable music that has yeah. counterpoint and has part writing as opposed to just this wash of noise right. because his voice is all the noise that you need. Yes, exactly. Although he does get into some like pretty noisy percussion or like quasi industrial yeah. music from time to time. But yeah, in general, um, he has like fairly stripped down, understandable arrangements. Yeah. Um, let's let's skip to "I Wish I Was in New Orleans" um, because I think this might be her best performance by this point in the album. Maybe, maybe could we maybe take a, in the a, whole album. a slight detour to "Song for Joe," which is the single uh, original song on the album. This is original. Oh, original. I didn't see that. Yeah, it was written by uh, David Andrews Sitek or Sitek or however that's pronounced and Scarlett Johansson. Okay. So let's take a quick listen. This is some of the better like music on the album, I think. Sure. And like arrangements. Um, the writing seems to be a better fit. Yes. Uh, with the arrangement behind it. Yes. Um, and she s- seemed to sing with like a little bit more conviction, slightly maybe. <laughs> it's hard to tell. I don't know what this song is about. Uh, it's about, uh, small hands of a woman with an animal heart. Yeah. And, and your daddy's house. Bury our hearts in the attic. Yeah, of bury your our house. hearts in the attic. It, it's, it's almost like a Sufjan lyric. Yeah. It, but yeah, it doesn't, but he would never say daddy in his songs, in his songs. <laughs> oh man. Um, okay. So that's the original song the lyrics are like not great they're mostly just like disconnected imagery you know how women have small hands but animal hearts (laughs) but animal hearts (laughs) and they fall asleep on the bathroom floor yeah the the, these are all uh rejected um drafts of men are from mars women are from venus (laughs) men are from mars women have small hands with an animal heart (laughs) (laughs) All right, uh, let's go to I Wish I Was in New Orleans. Can't see it in my dreams. 
Yeah, this is definitely her best performance on this album. Do you know why I think it is? Uh, I mean, I could guess, but just tell me. It's because people keep in the reviews, they keep on talking about how low she sings. Mm. Just be, There's a difference between notes that you can technically sound mm-hmm. with the instrument of one's body, you know, mm-hmm. um, versus notes where you can thrive. Right. Notes that are that you know how to control. She's singing pretty low, Mm -hmm. like definitely under middle C for a lot of this album. This is the only song where she hangs out in the octaves between, you know, C four middle C and C five, which Mm -hmm. is like a typical alto range and maybe a little bit of high alto. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's where she sounds the best. Yeah. Her voice sounds like she can actually project and there's actual character in there. And she's not just um, sort of sweating to get these notes out. Mm-hmm. And I think it sounds better. It's also, I mean, we can hear her voice. I wonder if it's because she sounds better that it's, they decided not to cover it up so much. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think it's sort of this like music box, this like distorted, washed out music box, which is a little bit more of a Tom Waits actual kind of vibe. It, it is, yeah. And it's it's kind of like it adds this like dreamlike cast to the song that I think really works for it. I mean, the second the the opening lines are "I wish I was in New Orleans. I can see it in my dreams." Yeah, you know, it's it's literally a dream. This song. I mean, I feel, I don't know what the original song is like. It's been I don't know if I've ever actually heard it, but. Um, all the song is about like new Orleans culture. And I would imagine that there's maybe a little bit more of like kind of old jazzy stuff going on in the arrangement. Uh, that kind of nostalgia in, you know, that would match the lyrics. Mm-hmm. I mean, you could pull it up real quick, maybe. And yeah. we could, if you, if you can find it, that's but from small change, which is, I ah, would probably be better. That's his pre uh, Kathleen Brennan period. Okay, great. So it's it's earlier when he's like I think doing more of like a uh, jazz singer. Um, okay, I wish. Oh lol, there's a song on here called "Pasties in a G String" at the two o'clock club. Oh, Amazing. and this is this is the album that has the piano has been drinking, not me. I love that song. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm gonna skip forward just a little bit in the song. I thought he was going like to start singing orchestra there. orchestra jazz. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to skip for it a little bit more. I was in New <laughs> It's very like Randy Newman. Yeah. In my dreams. Okay. Yeah. I think this is yeah, the one where they the one song on the album where I feel like they sort of have a take. Yes. And something to offer. So mm-hmm. I wanna give I wanna give credit where credit's due. Yes, I agree. Uh the one song that I was the most familiar with in this album is I Don't Wanna Grow Up. Ah. Uh, the Tom Waits song, I Don't Wanna Grow Up. And I thought this was the stupidest arrangement. Hmm. For kind of one of the most special songs, in my opinion, that Tom Waits has. Mm-hmm. Um, do you want to play the original first? And yeah. Then, and then your sound sample? Do you want me to do your sound sample of the original? Because I have one also. Oh, either one. I don't care. Okay. I think mine's a bit longer, <laughs> if you know what I mean. Um, here is Tom Waits's. <laughs> oh, the face that Cameron just gave me. Oh, boy. <laughs> he mad. Okay, here's the original. I thought this was a Ramon song because oh, the Ramones did a cover on their last album and 
I went through a phase where my uncle gave me all the Ramones albums and I uh, listened to some of them and pretended to try to get into the Ramones. It says cover by I Don't Want to Grow Up by Ramones. Uh, cover. It's confusing because what they should say is covered by or covered yeah. as. Um, yeah. So here's this the, here's the White song. This is the Ramones version. I mean, it, it definitely also fits. great. It's, it's great. Yeah, it, it definitely fits the Ramones style very well. And their yeah. arrangement of it is, is very Ramonesy. It's good. What, what I like about this song, and I want to talk about this before we approach the Scarlett Johansson version, is mm-hmm. uh, that it starts out kind of petulant. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just like, yeah, Peter Pan, like, it's very sort of like self centered and just like. It's very childish. You know, understandable. It's very childish. When I'm lying then, in my bed at night, I don't want to grow up. Is the opening line? Yeah, it's like a little. I don't want to be a good boy scout. I don't want to learn to count. Yeah, <laughs> I don't want to have the biggest amount. There's some great stuff in there. Yeah, um, that's like some kind of like very self-centered things, but then some other things that are like I don't want to like even be upwardly mobile. I don't want these things that you know I'm yeah. already skeptical of. But then there's this really. Uh, heartbreaking lyric, which is, well, when I see my parents fight, I don't want to grow up. They all go out and drinking all night and I don't want to grow up. I'd rather stay here in my room. Nothing out there but sad and gloom. I don't want to live in a big old tomb on Grand Street. Ooh. <laughs> um, yeah, I there's like trauma in here too, of just like the trauma of being a kid. And I think it's like a really powerful song. And I think his delivery is really wonderful it's like i think acoustic and elect highly distorted electric guitar mm-hmm. in the tom waits version mm-hmm. i think it sounds really cool and i love that he's singing as, he sounds like a drunk old man but he's singing as a kid yeah there's something really special about that recording and then scarlett johansson decided to do it and this it is, sounds this like is, this sounds like this pop music the the clapping is awful (laughs) (laughs) it's really bad it almost would be like the double time like beat behind it would almost be would almost work if it wasn't for the (laughs) (laughs) it's really bad you could make this song work as like an 80s dream pop song i think you could i think that was their idea but i do not think that it they did not pull it off no and you, then you need to be more like, is like like New Order or something. This needs to sound like Blue Monday. <laughs> if you want to make it an 80s like dreamy pop song. Yeah. I think these like the the worst part I think is these like trauma lyrics that I was talking about. Mm-hmm. This is how they're delivered. Yeah. Uh oh, I any I, second now. <laughs> well, I had to guess which one. I think it's this one. Why? If you couldn't tell, she was singing there. It was just whispers. Why? Why do they do that? I don't know. It's terrible. Uh, it's anyway, bad decision. I don't have anything to say about the rest of the album. Uh, Scarlett Johansson. It was a long time ago. Yes. Uh, it was sort of a proto hipster project. It might have made more sense in 2008. I mean, this is around Maybe. the time that. Um, I think Zoe Deschanel was in it. I think she was in a band with M. Ward. Yep. Uh, she and him or something. Yeah, like something that. like that. What's it called? Uh, it's just some it sort of like uh, yeah. old. It's just like proto like pronoun parentheticals. Yeah, exactly. It's a bad name. Yeah. <laughs> the just the band goes settings. by she and him pronouns. <laughs> um. Yeah, so that's when did that come out? I mean, Zoe Deschanel is definitely a better singer, at least at this point in time. Oh yeah, she's great. Yeah, 
uh, and that came out the same year. It came out in 2008. Yeah. I hate to pigeonhole this in a, like, um, pretty girl actor who finds a, like, more competent like, <laughs> male musician. Mm. But that, if I say that that's what it is, I think that that is an indictment of the times and not mm-hmm. of that. Because that there's nothing r- inherently wrong with that. Right. And I think she and him is a better... I think that music is fine. I've heard a little bit of it. Mm-hmm. But this is all bad. This is a bad album. It's not good, yeah. I wish it hadn't been made. I don't even <laughs> want to ignore it. I want it to not have happened. Let's unmake it. <laughs> <laughs> Woo. <laughs> to this album. Yeah. Um, it's okay. profoundly misguided. Uh, should we do like one more palate cleanser? Sure. Before we figure out what we want to do for season 19? Yeah. Do, I mean, should we consider doing like i mean let's i'm gonna look it up right now let's see if a 30 odd foot of grunt i wonder if that's gonna be the worst decision aha 30 (laughs) odd foot of grunts that sounds pretty fun there are four albums on here because he like he like writes his songs too right does he yeah it's probably more interesting than keanu reeves's band dog star which i think he was just the basis for i don't think he wrote or sang i think he just played bass honestly and they have one album at some point at some point, I kind of want to... I've talked about this for a while. I kind of want to listen to Tony Collette's album. <laughs> Could Tony Collette has an album? I would listen to yeah. that. Tony I watched Collette a music rules. video. It's pretty bad. Okay. <laughs> I don't think I've ever heard her sing. I mean, yeah, that's the thing that is fascinating to me. Just like, oh, the better the actor, the worse the music, the more I kind of want to listen to it. <laughs> uh it would also be kind of fun to listen to a 30 Seconds to Mars album. Oh, that, who is that? That's an act. Wait, is that Jared Leto? Jared Leto. Yeah, yeah. okay. Yeah. Did anyway, he, did he we start? should do the 30 foot okay. odd. Yeah. Or whatever. We'll do 30 yeah, odd let's foot do of that grunts. <laughs> yeah. Let's get grunting. Let's, let's, let's grunt. Always be grunt. <laughs> A, B, G. Uh, well, until next week when we come back with Russell Crowe. Uh, you can um, visit us online at boxset.website. Uh, you can tweet us at Tobias Podcast. Email us at email at boxset.website. You can support us in a couple different ways. You can go to iTunes. And uh, if you hit those stars and if you type up some words, that is good for us, I think, uh, to get more reviews. It helps people find the show, I believe. Is how, I have how a suspicion. I have, a, I have the sneaking suspicion. It's kind of sus. Um, hey, and, you know, I'll just add to this. We... I think it's. I think you should do that, but I think it's going to take a while for that to actually happen. The the real benefit mm. would be tell someone on in your personal life or on the internet that you listen to the show and that you like it. Yeah, there's not a lot of people who listen to this show. No. I love making it, and yeah. I plan to keep making it. Yeah, but it's not because of all of the numbers feedback <laughs> that we get. Yes, and I think more people would like this show than currently listen to it. Yeah, so. Tell someone you know. Yeah. Get on Reddit or spread the word. Some hole of the internet and like get some. Go to Gab. To, go to yeah. 4chan. Go to Parlor. <laughs> 8chan. 8chan. <laughs> go to uh, YouTube and Stormfront.gov. Although they might have shut that down after the inauguration. Get on your Tor browser. <laughs> I don't know. And what. buy our new um, <laughs> fucking blockchain shit <laughs> venmo really wants me to get into crypto oh, every time i do. open the app yeah of it's course terrible. they do it's, what a scam. i don't want to do it literally the most wasteful activity undertaken in human history it's not even close and okay anyway yeah, I, it's like literally just do some trade economy stuff in your communities well just do any community building at all yeah and well to mine stuff under the any table. kind of cryptocurrency it's 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 just a measure of how mu- how much computing resources and energy are you willing to waste. It's 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 just built on waste. It's it's so awful. Okay, but I'm not going to get started on that any more than I have. Uh, Go off, King. Oh no, <laughs> I can't. I won't. Um, you can support us even more directly if you go to support.boxset.website, which uh, redirects to our Patreon. You can also go to patreon.com/thinkoutsidetheboxset. I believe is the URL. If you kick us a few bucks a month. We, I, we set it pretty low. I think we set it at $2 a month. That's like yeah. one-tenth of the price of a cup of coffee. Okay, it's, we're not asking very much. And uh, <laughs> um, yeah, we just, that's, 
you kick us two dollars a month you'll get I access spend to all an inordinate amount of money on coffee i've yet to <laughs> buy a, a 20 dollar cup of coffee have you ever been and to I blue live in portland <laughs> yeah i've been to proud mary which is the most expensive coffee i've ever had how much do those cost there's some like 12 dollar cups of coffee wow proud mary. okay they're incredible yeah and and in my opinion worth it <laughs> It really, it really does bother me when people are like, oh, the bougie coffee. It's like, okay, come on. This is like literally like a slave labor industry. Like if you're going to spend, this is a luxury good. If you're going to spend a stupid amount of money on something, it should be the coffee. People are like, mm-hmm. it, this is the entire industry of some countries. Like, <laughs> right. If you're going to spend some money, spend it on this thing. You don't like, yeah, anyway. Yeah. Anyway. You'll get access to all of our bonus content, which includes our weekly mini show called What's in the Box Weekly that Cameron referred to earlier. And this week we talked about the Matrix trilogy for a very long time. And what did you talk about? It was a, also the Matrix lit. trilogy. Yeah, well, I, we talked a little bit about Sense Eight as yes, well, which tiny. Uh, I'm trying to convince Nathan to yeah, check out. Which I'm going. To, I've been meaning to watch. Uh, and what you can also do is listen to Cameron's other podcast. It's called Get Up oh, and Cool, would. and yeah. it's cool. And they have all kinds of people on there. They have like people who do acoustic musics, mostly acoustic music. Although every once in a while, they'll throw a monkey wrench at you. She's <laughs> I'm never gonna, yeah, never gonna about stop mentioning once that. Once in 260 episodes, <laughs> I'm always gonna mention that every single time. It was, it was a sheer delight. Um, yeah, Shohei Tsutsumi fucking rules. Um, yeah. It is about and is traditional musics and involves interviews and people play music together. And Cameron shows off their pretty intense skill on the banjo. Who, me? Yeah, you. (laughs) Yeah. All right. Well, thanks for listening, y'all. We'll be back next week. And until then, I've been Nathan Hunt and I'm a porcupine. (laughs) (laughs) I've been Cameron DeWitt and Nathan, you can go fuck yourself. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I will. I feel like saying that someone has an intense skill at the banjo is a backhanded compliment. What is that? <laughs> I can't quite put my finger what, at it, on it. <laughs> <laughs> I can't see how that could possibly be true. Maybe I'm just too steeped in like uh, friggin' weirdo, like rock wannabe musicians who say dumb stuff like that. <laughs> Dude, he's got like an intense skill. Yeah. Is it good? It's intense. It's intense. <laughs> it's a lot. <laughs> Maybe that's it. Maybe it doesn't actually like carry the connotation that it's good necessarily. It's just like overwhelming. <laughs> oh boy, the 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 banjo playing. Mm. Wow. It'll bowl you right say. over. <laughs>